Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. We missed you last week if you were on vacation or doing other things. Let's all stand and sing together. today to lift your name up, Lord, and we come just to, to sing a joyful song to you, Lord. We come and just bow at your presence, and we want to feel you and experience you and carry you with us all week. Lord, help us to focus on you this morning and help our hearts to be with you. In your name I pray. Amen. Your love. 
you to come forward to join us here for a few moments of sharing. everyone doing this morning yeah are you guys having a good summer so far 
Yeah, sleeping in late, going to the pool. Oh, yeah, we've been to the pool a couple of times ourselves. You know, I want to share something with you this this weekend. We, my family and I, we're going to go um, spend some time with our neighbor. We're going to have some dinner, and the kids are going to have some playtime, and and we're going to even have a mini camp out. How many of y'all been camping before, or kind of done some of that stuff? Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's we fun. That's a great we, place. And they were camping because we got their camp right beside the playground. Oh, and we wow. Got to go over the playground the that's fun. Yeah, playgrounds are awesome. You know, and what are some of the things we do when you go camping? Maybe like roasting some marshmallows. How many of you done that? Or sometimes y'all don't even have to go camping. You can just do it right side, outside in the backyard. Yeah? Well, today's lesson, and someone's sitting here came up with this example. I'm not going to take credit for it. Someone came up with this example. Someone your age. Isn't that kind of neat? So I'm going to share it with you today. And today what we're going to talk about is having a clean heart. And having a clean heart, we're going to use the example about roasting marshmallows. I have something here. What is this? Ew, a burnt marshmallow. Have you ever eaten a burnt marshmallow? No. Aren't they yummy? No. No. They taste kind of yucky and burnt and not so good, huh? What about this one? Yeah, it's not too roasted, is it? It has a little bit on there, but it probably works better for maybe making some s'mores. Who likes s'mores around here? Yeah, s'mores are pretty good, huh? Well, did you know that Jesus tells us that there is a way spiritually, and kind of using this example, how to have clean, good hearts? In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 35, it tells us in the Bible, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So what this is telling us is in our hearts, we should always try to be pure and gentle and have goodness, just like this good marshmallow, come out of us instead of not-so-good stuff coming out of us. So each day, let us learn to use the power of our words with people around us so that we can be pure and gentle towards those that we love and those that we don't know, and especially those who don't know Jesus, okay? Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Jesus, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my God and my Redeemer, amen. Thank you, Susanna. I was concerned yesterday when I heard that F-15s had to force down an airplane over Camp David that Bill might not be here today, but uh, I see he made it, and you're here. If you wondered why that first song that we all sang together this morning sounded so good for a change, it's because I was gone one week and, and Greg turned my mic off. I didn't have any sound coming out. I, 
kept thinking, boy, sounds good. No, I, I'm not singing, that's why. <clears throat> it is good to see you all here, and I want you to know it's a long way to Valparaiso, Indiana. It is a long way. If you stop at all, it's 13 hours, and we drove back nonstop on Tuesday and uh, woke up about Friday. <laughs> I think it was, that's a long road. But anyways, good to be back with you. Um, if you're worshiping with us as a visitor today, we're glad you're here, and we invite you to come back as often as you can to be with us, either at this service or at the 11 o'clock service in our, family, in our uh, sanctuary. And we have Sunday school at 10 o'clock uh, between the two services, and we invite you to remain for that as well. If you have some concerns about some folks that you want us to join you in praying for, uh, I invite you to write something down on an index card, and we'll pray with you in a few moments. Our ushers have index cards. If you'll raise your hand so we know that uh, we need to get a card to you, um, we will be glad to do that. And if you'll write something down that we can share with you, we'll be glad to do that. This afternoon, the youth, along with their leader, Andy, and some other adults will be heading off to their mission uh, week experience. This year doing some work at the Cherokee uh, Native American Reservation, Indian Reservation, um, up in Cherokee, North Carolina. And Andy, who's going with you this year in the way of adults? Stephen? Jocelyn and Stephen? Amy Knapp. Okay. So Andy will be well supervised. <laughs> it will be a good experience for our, for our young folks. And because of their absence, there won't be any other youth activities tonight or Wednesday night. We will resume that um, when they get back. And Andy will be back with us by next Sunday. So we are excited about uh, their representing us and doing some good work this coming week. Got several announcements here. Wonderful Wednesdays continue this week uh, with movie day. Kids are invited to the church's social hall for movies and theater snacks from 9 a.m. to noon. We ask you to register online at greerchurch.com uh, through our church bulletin or in the Family Life Center today. I want to remind you, parents of children, about the upcoming music camp in early August, along with the production that they put on at the end of that week. Um, so please keep that in mind and uh, make sure you get your child registered for Jessica Krim's music camp uh, just a few weeks away now. Next Sunday, following the 11 o'clock service, we will be having another administrative board meeting Finance Committee has been working hard on some answers uh, for some questions that were asked them at the last meeting, and they're ready to share that information with us, and that's next, um, next Sunday. Because of the fact that we need to give advance announcement of charge conferences, our district superintendent has authorized me to announce that we've set a charge conference for July the 24th. That's two weeks from today, right after the 11 o'clock service. Uh, assuming we will need that to approve whatever action the administrative board takes next week. Of course, if there's nothing to do, we will cancel that meeting. But uh, Charles has authorized that for the 24th, so please be in mind, be aware of those two very important uh, dates for the next two Sundays. Do you have your 
prayer cards ready? If you do, we'll ask you to raise them up so that our ushers can collect those. As best we can remember, this is the seventh anniversary of this worship service. It began two weeks, I think, after I arrived in early July. And so we've been at this thing for seven years, going into our eighth year with this worship service. It's been a meaning, meaningful part of my spiritual journey these seven years, and I trust it has been for you as well. Thank you, and thank you. Uh, and glad that we can offer several opportunities for uh, styles of worship and times of worship here in this church. Uh, let us join our hearts together now in prayer. Lord, we are thankful that you're always sowing your good seeds in the gardens of our lives. We're thankful that those seeds have a way of sprouting and growing and being cultivated, and we are so blessed to be your farm where you plant good things. We pray that you would use us to scatter seeds from the harvest of our lives in those people around us so that they might know of your love. And these are our special prayers for this day. We pray for a special friend in a time of need. We pray for a homeless friend. We pray for safety for Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan. We pray for healing for Neil Weiss. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for healing for Ken Taylor and for Marjorie Mitchell's sister, Sally. We pray for our youth going on a mission trip, for Wade Kinnett as he recovers, for Doris Wright, for Emma Sperling, an eight-year-old recovering from open-heart surgery for a valve replacement. We pray for a husband and son-in-law in need of prayers for jobs. We pray for pain in a foot so severe that it impedes walking. Lord, these are our prayers this day through Jesus Christ who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Thirty years ago, my sister was doing some work in the kitchen, kitchen, and she dropped a butcher knife on her big toe and severed the tendon, and her toe dropped, and tendon rolled up in her leg, and she had to have surgery. And I thought, that couldn't happen to another human being. Well, Jay Alexander <laughs> has the same thing, right? A, a, a knife fell on your foot, so... Uh, anyway, we trust that that will go well as you get that repaired uh, in the days to come. Um, 
hear the scripture lesson now from Matthew 13, uh, 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. <clears throat> that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. From time to time, someone points out that, well, I won't read the other part, that, that Jesus explains this in 18 through 23, but I forgot I didn't give that part to Andy. I'll just cover it in my sermon. Uh, sometimes people will point out the fact that uh, Jesus probably would not be a very successful preacher in today's uh, modern churches. For one thing, he attracted the wrong element to his gatherings. And uh, you might not like it if Jesus showed up at your church today bringing his friends and those that they bring with them into our midst this day. People like reformed thieves and mentally ill people, alcoholics and others, not to mention ladies of little to no reputation. If you were able to get beyond that distraction, you still might not be very comfortable with Jesus' style of preaching because he didn't preach the way I was taught to preach when I went to seminary. Jesus actually did not preach at all. He just told stories that he saw going on around him in daily life and applying those stories to the kingdom of God. Stories about farmers and fishermen and merchants. Often the points of his stories were not all that clear, leaving people to wonder what in the world he was trying to say. Anyway, one day after Jesus told the parable of the sower and before he explained it to his disciples, they came to him and asked, why do you always speak in these stories? Why don't you just talk to the people in, in sermons? Why all these stories? Why Jesus uh, didn't use just plain speech is a good question. Was he trying to speak in a code so that most people would not understand him? If you're not careful with the reading of Jesus' answer to the disciples, it does sound like Jesus was attempting to hide the truth. The knowledge of the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but to them not. That is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. Doesn't that sound like he's using inside jokes or double speak to keep people in the dark? But that's not at all what he's saying. If you look real closely at it, this is what he is saying, and I'll paraphrase it for you. You disciples have been given the ability to understand the good news about the kingdom, even though it's not that obvious in the world. 
But most folks don't understand. They look, but they don't see. They listen, but they don't hear. I use parables to help these folks really see with their eyes and hear with their ears so that they might begin to understand in their hearts and turn to me so that I can heal them. So Jesus' stories were very simple so that common people could understand his messages. He used parables to bring people into the light, not to keep them in the dark. Jesus could see parables all around him. God was like a father of a prodigal son. A real neighbor is someone you might not even know, but who ends up being the one showing compassion to you in a time of need, like that good Samaritan fellow. And God is like a farmer who gen generously scattered seeds on all kinds of soil. Perhaps there were several reasons that Jesus told this parable. First of all, Jesus wanted to pre prepare his disciples and us for the truth and the, react the uh, reality that not all people that hear our good news will respond positively to it. Some, like the path, will ignore our good news altogether like it's just not been heard at all. Our message will go in one ear and out the other. Still others will be like that rocky soil. They will respond eagerly initially, but there will be no depth in their commitment, no roots. Therefore, when the, to the going gets rough, they will collapse and lose faith. Some will respond like thorny soil. They like what they hear, but the pressures of per pursuing fame and fortune or worrying about lesser goals will choke out any interest that they might have had in the gospel. He who dies with the most toys, toys will win is the motto they live by. But some would respond like prime farming soil and produce more crops than you could ever imagine. Now true that's been throughout all of history. Jesus was encouraging the disciples and also us in the 21st century not to be discouraged by failure. Not every child that we educate in the church will grow up to be an adult follower of Christ. Not every act of kindness will be understood and received. Not every witness for Jesus will be appreciated. Some people will act like they didn't notice a thing. Some will respond uh, to what you do positively, but when the, to the going gets tough, they will drop out and, and not be uh, followers. Some will be too concerned with material things to become serious disciples of Christ. But the good news is there will be some that respond very well to the message of the gospel. And they will become such powerful disciples that they will produce even more disciples. So Jesus' message is for us to keep on sowing those seeds. Don't get discouraged. Keep scattering seeds. Keep teaching those children. There might be a Billy Graham in that Sunday school class. There might be a future preacher or teacher or doctor or lay leader, a musician or a youth director sitting in your Sunday school class this morning. Just you be faithful in scattering the seeds of the gospel in those lives. Perhaps a second reason that Jesus told this parable was to teach us 
that success in telling the good news is often a matter of timing. Not everybody is prepared right this minute to receive the good news. The, the message translation of the Matthew 13 says that Jesus told parables to create readiness, to nudge people toward receptive insight. That is to help people get ready to hear the good news. Part of our task then is to till the soil, to pick our time when the soil is ready to receive the seeds of the gospel. My professor of preaching at Lutheran Seminary, R.C. Hofler, um, used to say this about bad timing. He said, even the weekend fishermen, oh, they're talking about you, Dallas. Even the weekend fishermen knows that you don't just walk up to any stream, throw in your hook, and catch a fish. You have to be at the right place at the right time with the right bait. So it is with sharing the gospel. It is a matter of timing and knowing people. Johnny picks up his baseball glove and heads to the door. Mother suddenly remembers that the pastor last week in his sermon encouraged parents to sit down and talk with their children about God. So she catches Johnny on the run, sits him down and says, we're going to spend a few minutes right now talking about God. Nothing results. The timing is off. Johnny at that moment is hard soil. His mind is a beaten path directed exclusively in the direction of the baseball field. Any seedling word about God and religion at that moment is for the birds. On the other hand, there will be moments, great moments, when Johnny will be receptive soil. Perhaps that time when his dog was run over and killed by a passing car. And he came in and asked his mother why things have to die. One word spoken to his tearful question at that moment is worth a hundred lectures about God, either at home or in the church. Part of our task then is discerning the seasons of people's lives so that when we ask, when we, when we approach them with the good news, we go at a time when they're open to receive it. Another part of our task is helping people become open. Some have been so beaten down like a path that they can't receive the gospel until Christians soften their hardened hearts by acts of love. Some are so choked with the current concerns of daily life, they spend all of their energies just surviving day to day. And there's nothing left over for spiritual concerns. For them, our task may be to train and educate them so that their labors can be more productive, giving them more time for spiritual reflection. Others, like rocky soil, need to be told right up front that the way of Christ can be very, very difficult at times, and it is not for the half-hearted or the faintly committed. These folks can mature in time. So I hear in this parable of Jesus a call to cultivate the soils that we encounter to never write anyone off. With prayer cultivation and good timing, every soil can become receptive for the seeds. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad and the desert shall rejoice and blossom, prophesied Isaiah. 
Perhaps the third reason that Jesus told this parable is set forth by the theologian named Helmut Tillichy, who says that at different times in our own lives, we are those different soils. We are the four soils. Sometimes life tramples us down like a hardened path. Other times we can't help from being overcome with the cares of life. As a lady told me one time, you had a good sermon, but I couldn't listen to it today. I was worried about my pot roast burning at home. At other times, we respond enthusiastically, but without a depth of knowledge that we need. We want to see our church grow. We want to see God's kingdom advance. But who would have thought that we would have to make sacrifices for so many years seeing nothing happen before things will finally take off. But at other times, we find that we're very open and receptive to the good news. At those times, it seems like the preacher is speaking only to us. The scriptures seem to have been written only for us. Even nature seems to be alive with God's presence. And through all the times of life and our different soil composition, just look at who the star of this story is, God, the prodigal sower. You have learned by now, I trust, that the word prodigal means lavish or wasteful. The prodigal son was wasteful of his resources and his father's goodness. But God the Father is also very wasteful and lavish. He is not miserly when it comes to loving us and sowing good seeds in our lives. He's willing to waste his good seeds just so some of the ready soil can receive his love today. He looks over our lives, looking for opportunities to sow good things into our hearts. God loves us no matter what condition the soil of our hearts might be in at the moment. He is always scattering seeds of his love on us at all times of our lives. His generous love doesn't quit just because we're closed at a particular moment. And this brings us to the fourth reason that Jesus told this parable. The story paints a picture of our very gracious Heavenly Father who lavishly scatters seeds on all people, good or bad, receptive or unreceptive. Such a gracious and prodigal God would send the blessings of rain and sun upon the just and the unjust. He would scatter his love everywhere. He would even be willing to forgive sins. Why, such a gracious God might be capable of something very rash, like dying upon a cross for me and for you. Saint and sinner alike, dying for all people, even if some folks never notice. My goodness, that sounds very much like the God Jesus called our Father. Amen. I invite you to stand and affirm your faith and our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth,
please be seated and let us worship God by giving.
God's assistant to scatter his seeds of love all around you as you travel this week. 
may you bless others by the gifts that God has given you. Amen. Have a great week.